This is C-SPAN's The Weekly for September 14th, 2018. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, first formed back in 1979. It has been in the news more and more recently, providing assistance during disasters, including Hurricane Florence. But what is this agency? How does it get its funding? And how do you get assistance if you're impacted by a natural disaster? This week, former FEMA Director Joe Albaugh joins us to share his experiences leading the agency. He did so during the first three years of the George W. Bush administration, including the attacks on September 11, 2001, as well as a number of hurricanes and forest fires. Now that we are in hurricane season, let's talk about FEMA. And Joe Albaugh, why was FEMA first created back in 1979? What are its origins? Well, if you remember uh, Three Mile Island that uh, affected some nuclear plants in uh, Pennsylvania. President, then-President Jimmy Carter was uh, very distraught, rightly so, that there was no coordinating entity uh, understanding the response side of any type of crisis like this outside of the realm of law enforcement. And shortly after everything tamped down with Three Mile Island, He moved forward with uh, making sure that an entity such as FEMA was created. That wasn't its original name, but eventually it became the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And uh, that has led us now from 79 to today, uh, several iterations of government assistance. The best way for your viewers to understand FEMA is that uh, if you look at an inverted triangle and everything starts at the bottom, the point, which is local control, local elected officials, local emergency response individuals, and once those um, avenues are exhausted, it moves up to the state level about midway in that triangle or pyramid. And... um, And then once the state, and that requires, um, after the state resources are exhausted, requires a letter from the governor of that state to the president of the United States. And based upon the recommendation of FEMA staff, led by the then, or whomever it is, director or administrator, as they call it today, which I despise that term, um, that recommendation is either heeded or turned away by the president. And in most cases, they take the president's Democrat, Republican, or independent, take uh, the word of FEMA and say yes or no. And uh, then federal assets become available. And that's much more broad, much more resilient. And uh, unfortunately, over the years, People have, people, citizens have become accustomed to waiting and seeing what the federal government's going to do before they take any action, which in this particular storm, Florence, today, is the wrong approach. It's always the wrong approach. I think uh, our citizens have become accustomed to government uh, money, government assistance, 
and we've lost that resilience of the individual. And we're in a situation today with Florence that the government cannot save anyone, uh, particularly after the storm hits. So it becomes incumbent upon our citizens to listen and heed the warnings of the local officials, the local emergency management individuals, the mayors, the county commissioners, the governors. Pay attention to those folks and follow their instructions because there is no way anyone in Washington, D.C., has the foggiest idea of what's going on on the ground when a storm like Florence hits. And, of course, the next phase is the disaster recovery efforts. What is FEMA's role? Who leads the effort on the ground? Well, most of the efforts are led by local and state individuals. Those are the emergency management professionals who understand what is needed. FEMA's role has been, always will be, is to support those two groups of government entities in providing the services that are needed. Years ago, we would wait as a country until a storm hit and uh, or an earthquake hit or whatever took place and then rush in with supplies. Now we're advanced enough to be connected through the Internet and know exactly where things are moving, thanks to NOAA and many other agencies. We have uh, uh, weather stations out. We can, we can pretty well, uh, the meteorologist can dictate uh, the flow of things. This particular storm is going to be hazardous because, and potentially catastrophic because of the water. The winds are going to be bad, but the rising water, the storm coming on shore, there's no way for the water to recede, particularly in those low-lying areas. So rising water causes more deaths than anything else in a disaster like this. But uh, uh, FEMA's already pre-positioned assets. We started this 20 years ago, pre-positioning assets that may be needed uh, in the event of a catastrophe like, uh, like Florence. So that's their responsibility. They're supposed to coordinate with state and local officials, make sure they have everything that they need. And if they don't have it, then the job of the president through the director of FEMA is to provide that assistance, whether it's through the Department of Defense, Coast Guard, uh, um, sanitary supplies, water, potable water, Whatever it is, first aid, uh, we use DOD or DEFEMA uses DOD in their medical uh, um, um, evac situations where they can put up these mini hospitals uh, anywhere in the country. So the, the countries as a whole, the, the resilience is robust. Where the breakdown is, oftentimes, is at the local level. Some communities can't afford, some counties can't afford, and even some states can't afford or won't invest in emergency response. And that was evidenced at Katrina. And I don't need to rehash Katrina, but that was a mistake from the get-go. 
And uh, a lot of people got blamed in the process unnecessarily. It wasn't FEMA's response. All response starts locally. That's what your viewers have to remember. Let me turn to the structure of FEMA because, as you mentioned, a number of different iterations since it was formed back in 1979 in the Carter administration. How did you structure FEMA during your time in the George W. Bush administration, and how did 9-11 change FEMA's role within the Department of Homeland Security now? Oh, great, Scott. No one was thinking about the Department of Homeland Security when 9-11 hit. Uh, FEMA um, is and was an organization at that time where where the president appointed a director, and I was lucky enough to have that role under uh, George W. Bush, fortunate. Um, and in the president's stead, I acted on his behalf to make decisions when 9-11 hit. Uh, we were moving 7,000 people overnight uh, into New Jersey to help local, again, local community, New York City, the state of New York, provide the services that the citizens of those two government entities actually needed. What has happened over time is that our our disasters are, are so often and so uh, large is that it's become incumbent upon FEMA to become nimble and uh, be connected on the Internet um, and restructured to the point that it reflects what Homeland Security's uh, role is in today. Uh, unfortunately, the downside of that reorganization is, is taking a direct report away from the president and it puts about four or five layers between the President of the United States and the current Director Administrator, Brock Long. And when people's lives are at stake, that's not the type of communication apparatus that one needs. But I'm, I'm happy with the way it's become so nimble and so robust. And one of the unique things about uh, FEMA is the fact that it's elastic. It can grow as large or be as small as the disaster requires. And that's something unique among um, all the federal agencies that, that FEMA stands out above head and shoulders in that arena. And one thing that I learned, Joe Alba, that I thought was interesting is that there is a FEMA core. These are volunteers that work with the agency. Who volunteers, and how do you train those individuals? Those assistants, uh, well, we refer to them as disaster assistance employees. Uh, they're part-time employees. Most of them tend to be uh, older and somewhat retired or semi-retired. But they, each one of them uh, volunteer their time, come into a disaster, and work their hearts out at our disaster recovery centers. Every time there is an event, there is a local disaster recovery center that handles everything locally. These are the individuals who, who, who we actually pay them. They're not volunteers, but the, I say we, FEMA, taxpayer pays them, to come in for either a short period of time or, or a longer period of time to bring their expertise and, and provide the services that that particular 
a catastrophe uh, requires. Um, each one of them have a unique background and a lot of experience that is needed and required. And that's a part of that elasticity I'm referring to. You can grow as large or small depending upon the event. I preface this next question because clearly there are varying circumstances and situations, but you mentioned 9-11 or a natural disaster. Who qualifies for federal assistance? And if you receive aid or a loan, what's the payback process? Well, it depends upon what federal agency you're talking to. But if if I would, I, I can't talk about each and every one of them. But what I can tell you is that your viewers should know if they're affected. They should go online, go to disasterassistance.gov, and there there's a a form that they will see and fill out and send that in. That's the easiest, most effective way to find out what you qualify for. If you're in the business arena, Small Business Administration has basically the same type of operation. Go online, sba.gov, and look for their disaster assistance uh, uh, template and fill that out. So over the years, it used to be $25,000 for individual family assistance. I'm sure Congress has raised those thresholds. And remember, I haven't been there since uh, March 1st of uh, 2003, the day Homeland Security was created. So it's changed and evolved for the better. But generally speaking, what type of assistance do individuals qualify for? And I'm asking specifically whether it includes child care, home repair, funeral assistance, moving in storage, or other variables. Actually, there's immediate uh, assistance for hotels, hotels and motels, food. If you're totally wiped out, they, they will give uh, direct you to agencies, give you some money for food, uh, short-term living expenses, and then uh, you'll meet with uh, individuals who will qualify you for a variety of programs that may include health care, it may include medical care, it may include a variety of options that all of us as human beings and citizens of the U.S. Uh, rightly deserve. What do you think best prepared you to serve as FEMA director, and, and what was the biggest challenge, or where was the biggest learning curve for you? Uh, actually, I was, uh, prior to being the FEMA director, I was uh, George W. Bush's chief of staff in Texas for five years, and the state of Texas, 254 counties, we have wildfires, hurricanes, tornadoes, and I kept that portfolio uh, in my shop, uh, the office of the chief of staff, and that had given me the necessary glimpse, education, and the training to uh, prepare myself to be the FEMA director. It is an unbelievable job. Uh, anyone who um, um, ends up in that role is very blessed and hugely responsible for the nation's uh, protection. And uh, I'm honored to have had that appointment. And uh, I miss the people who are there, but I know they're in their hearts, even though administrations come and go, but in the individual's hearts of those employees uh, they have nothing but the best intentions for our country's citizens. 
Your predecessor was James Lee Witt, who served in the Bill Clinton administration. That's what did correct. he tell you about FEMA? What advice did he give you? Uh, <laughs> You're laughing. Uh, James Lee and I are very good friends. I respect his time. He and I are different individuals, and we had a different approach. One of the uh, uh, minor conflicts during one of our wildfire seasons in Texas, I couldn't uh, get James Lee to agree to preposition, you know, the air tankers, the water tankers. That would help. And he said, no, we can't do that. Well, during my tenure, I made sure if a governor called and asked for X, Y, and Z, we did our best to preposition those assets. I mean, it's always easy to take them away if not needed, but when they're needed, you need to have those. And I think FEMA has has uh, evolved over the years to a point where you see now the major uh, a prepositioning depot is Fort Bragg, North Carolina for all the supplies that's going to be needed in at least the two or three or four state region. And I'm very proud of having started that process, you know, a long time ago. But it's gotten better. It's uh, more robust. robust, And uh, citizens can be comforted uh, if they've heeded the warnings of their local officials that they'll have the necessary water, medical and other supplies that they need to get beyond this storm. And specifically, let me ask you about the flooding issue, because this comes up every hurricane season. We see what happens along the coastal areas of the U.S. If you have a home in a floodplain area and do not have flood insurance, does FEMA provide assistance? Uh, No, it doesn't. Um, Hopefully you have homeowners' assistance. If you have not, if you have not... um, uh, applied for national flood insurance, then the likelihood of FEMA helping you is probably uh, nil. Uh, that's one of my problems that I have with the national flood insurance. The government stepped in many, many years ago, decided that we were going to underwrite the entire program. Well, as a result, uh, it forced out all the private sector insurance underwriters. And uh, the even though the... Um, the uh, flood insurance program is really um, substantial. Uh, it is at the taxpayer's behest that we underwrite that program, and and I'm a little concerned that not everybody's covered. Uh, they may not think they live in a, fl- a floodplain or uh, along an area that may flood every one or 500 years, so people don't think about flood insurance. And a lot of the homeowners insurance programs do not include flood insurance. So it it becomes the will of the Congress whether after an event they decide to step in and underwrite it after the fact. So I am uh, I'm a little concerned that there are more people without flood insurance, uh, particularly with this upcoming storm of Florence, that I am for those that have it. And going back to your own personal experiences, what did you find your biggest challenge? 9-11, oh, without, without question. It's um, forever changed the country. Uh, our cleanup and responsibility at uh, 
in New York City was eight and a half months long. The Pentagon was fairly simple uh, globally because it, it was a military reservation, one landlord in New York City. You had thousands of landlords. And sadly, in uh, Pennsylvania, it was uh, it was a crater in the ground. And uh, it was, um, it's hard to imagine, it was 17 years ago. For me, it was yesterday. This week, you know, earlier we uh, we recognized and honored uh, those that sacrificed um, on Tuesday. So it's uh, it's it was challenging, but uh, at that particular time, FEMA uh, met the challenge, and I'm very proud of that. All the indiv- thousands upon thousands of individuals, not to, there to take over, to be in charge, but to support the firefighters, the Port Authority individuals, the police officers, uh, the city of New York City, the state of New York, and uh, the citizens of that state uh, in a very trying time. Um, it was a, a very tough day and a very tough period, and we should never forget. In my own takeaway in talking with you is just the organizational challenge that's involved in any type of natural disaster, or in the case of 9-11, an act of terrorism, with so many different moving parts. Well, you're absolutely right. And and in most cases, that relationship starts with the governor of a state. And that was one of the breakdowns of Katrina. There was not a good relationship with... Uh, the then governor, um, and it 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 showed, nor the mayor of New Orleans, and it showed in spades. I never will forget that photo, as everybody can pull back in their their memory banks. That photo of all those school buses uh, behind a chain link fence underwater. I tried many times to get the city and the state. Uh, to do a tabletop exercise about uh, evacuation, and everybody laughed at me, said it wasn't ever going to happen. Well, it did happen, and the country paid the price, the state paid the price, the city paid the price, and a lot of lives were lost uh, more than should have happened, quite frankly. Final question for you. As you look at the agency today, approaching its 40th anniversary next year, what recommendations would you give to government officials? What, if anything, would you change? I would change the um, the reporting uh, bureaucracy. The President of the United States needs a person to go to that can handle domestic situations like Hurricane Florence. Doesn't need to go through five or six layers of bureaucracy. I know that's a little touchy inside the uh, the Beltway. Uh, but there, there is no reason when lives are at risk that there should be three or four layers of bureaucracy uh, between the President of the United States and the Director of FEMA. Uh, that's the person charged with making it happen, and there's no excuse for that dialogue to be uh, uh, deflected or detoured in any way. That is the biggest concern that I have about our current structure with Homeland Security. Generally speaking, though, does the agency still work the way it was intended? Yes, it does. Very much so. Very much so, and and has a bright future uh, 
uh, in our country's history. And it has not only because it's a bright future, it is a necessary uh, future. We have to have a FEMA that exists, regardless of what you call it. Uh, There has to be an entity that exists to step up and help out local communities, local counties, local parishes, local states. I mean, it's, it's just so necessary in today's world. Joe Abba served as the FEMA director during the first three years of the George W. Bush administration. He is joining us from Austin, Texas. The Weekly, by the way, is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Thank you for being with us. You bet. Anytime. Thank you, sir. And we thank you for listening. 